This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. M1, ABC News. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, February 21st. You're listening to WNBF. Some Endicott residents are worried that a church built more than a century ago could soon be demolished. Members of the First United Methodist Church on McKinley Avenue have decided it's time to cease operations. The final service is scheduled for Sunday afternoon. Regional representatives of the United Methodist Church have indicated no decision has been made about what will happen to the property. The site was donated by George F. Johnson of the Endicott Johnson Shoe Company. IBM founder Thomas J. Watson Sr. attended services at the Endicott Church. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said a group has been working to develop a daycare center at the church site. She said the property zoning would permit such a use, although it would require the approval of state regulators. Jackson said the rooms that had been used for Sunday school classes would be perfect for daycare. The mayor said the group, known as Greater Endicott Missions, for now is focusing on a daycare program for the church site, but she said members also have been discussing other possible uses for the property. The church is adjacent to the sprawling Huron campus, which was acquired by Phoenix Investors of Milwaukee in 2021. There's been discussion in Endicott that Phoenix may be planning to buy the church property as it redevelops the site that's known as the birthplace of IBM. Jackson said Chris Pelto, who manages the Huron campus, has advised her that they have absolutely no plans to go anywhere near the church, not to buy it, not to demolish it, not to do anything. Pelto could not be reached to comment on Monday about any potential expansion of the Huron campus. A fully equipped craft brewery in downtown Binghamton now is on the market more than two years after the place stopped making beer. Galaxy Brewing Company opened its production and dining facility at 41 Court Street in August 2013. Angela Martinez of Keller Williams in Binghamton said the property was listed about three weeks ago. The L-shaped building is on the north side of Court Street with another entrance to the east on Washington Street. Martinez said the listed price is $1.5 million for the property itself. She said a buyer could acquire the building and the beer-making equipment that remains on the site for $2 million. Galaxy Brewing was established by the father and son team of Michael and Seth Weissel. They could not be reached for comment. The Weissels in December 2018 announced the closing of Galaxy Brewing Restaurant as part of a plan to focus on beer production. A few months later, a proposal to move the Galaxy Brewing operations to the former E.H. Titchener and Company building on Clinton Street was presented to the City Planning Commission. That property had been acquired by Isaac Anzarut, who had joined the Weissels as a partner. The move to Clinton Street never happened amid disagreements involving the partners. In May 2020, the Planning Commission approved a proposed Anzarut redevelopment project for the 41 Court Street property. The plans called for the creation of 24 apartments with 55 bedrooms at the site. The project also was scrapped. Anzarut told WMBF News he's lost interest in developing the Court Street property. Binghamton and Johnson City officials have cited Anzarut for various code violations on some of the properties he owns. Anzarut said he wants to sell more than 100 properties he owns in Broome County. He said, I don't have the appetite to fight with government officials. On February 17th, the New York State Police in Binghamton responded to a reported fatal car and pedestrian accident on State Route 7 in the area of Belden Manor Road in the town of Colesville. The investigation revealed that a Ram pickup truck was being operated westbound on State Route 7 when the driver was unable to avoid the pedestrian, Angela Kelly, age 47, of Binghamton, New York. The investigation further revealed that Kelly was walking in the westbound lane while dressed in dark clothing, and the operator of the Ram pickup truck was unable to avoid Kelly in the roadway. 
Troopers were assisted by state police investigators, the Troop C Collision Reconstruction Unit, EMS personnel, and the Broome County Coroner. The New York State Police reminds pedestrians to remain vigilant and exercise caution while walking near roadways. President Joe Biden is back in Poland after an unannounced visit with President Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine. Monday's surprise trip was a gesture of solidarity coming days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Biden delivered remarks and met Zelensky to announce an additional half billion dollars in U.S. assistance and to reassure Ukraine of American and allied support. Although he was on Ukrainian territory for about 23 hours, traveling by train from and back to Poland, while Biden was in Ukraine, U.S. surveillance planes kept watch over Kyiv from Polish airspace. It was a defiant display of Western solidarity with Ukraine days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion. The Supreme Court is taking up its first case about a federal law that is credited with helping create the modern Internet. The law shields Google, Twitter, Facebook, and other companies from lawsuits over content posted on their sites by others. The justices are hearing arguments Tuesday about whether the family of a terrorism victim can sue Google for helping extremists spread their message and attract new recruits. The case is the court's first look at Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, adopted early in the Internet age to protect companies from being sued over information their users post online. New court filings show the prosecution in the case of a fatal New Mexico film set shooting has made a stark turnaround that drops the possibility of a mandatory five-year sentence against Alec Baldwin. The actor-producer's attorneys had earlier objected to the enhancement they said was unconstitutional because it was added after the October 2021 shooting. The amended complaint was made public Monday. Baldwin and weapons supervisor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed were charged last month with felony involuntary manslaughter in the shooting death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins during rehearsals for the film Rust at a ranch outside Santa Fe, New Mexico. An alligator was found in a chilly New York City lake on Sunday, far from the subtropical and tropical climates where such creatures thrive. The four-foot reptile was pulled from Prospect Park Lake in Brooklyn around 8.30 a.m. and taken to an animal care center and then the Bronx Zoo for medical treatment and rehabilitation. City officials said the gator appeared lethargic and possibly cold-shocked. It was likely dumped as an unwanted pet, they said. Releasing animals in city parks is illegal. Police are investigating. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, showers and possibly a thunderstorm before 4 p.m., then a chance of showers. A high near 45 degrees, wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour, an 80% chance of rain. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low near 26. Tomorrow, snow, mainly after 3 p.m., a high near 37 degrees, an 80% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, rain, snow, and sleep before 8 p.m., then rain and sleep between 8 p.m. and 3 a.m., then rain after 3 a.m., a low near 33 degrees, a 100% chance of rain. And Thursday, rain likely before 1 p.m., then showers likely after 1 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a high near 58 degrees, a 70% chance of rain. Thursday night, chance of rain showers before 4 a.m., then a chance of snow showers. Mostly cloudy with a low near 22 degrees, a 50% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
And here we go. Tuesday, WNBF Live with Bob Joseph. And we are ready to take calls. The calls will come in. And in most cases, we'll take them in the order in which they're received. Number is always 607-772-1290. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Airport Road Bob, town of Maine. Morning, sir. What's up? Hey, listen, I want to give you a heads up. The circus is uh, hit town today, and you're the first show t- to play today. Um, it's all about this IDA um, thing going on in the town of Maine, in the town of Union. They want to change the zoning from residential to industrial or commercial, and they've been keeping it hush-hush, secret, secret for the last two months. And they have suddenly decided to show up at the town of Maine for a meeting tonight with no uh, no notice to anyone other than um, last Thursday was the first of any board members found out about this. Nothing publicized uh, in the paper. Um, well, is it on the, it must be on the town of Maine website, so people in the town at least know that this will be coming up? Well, Bob, you know, that's a good question because when I was at the meeting last month, um, the town website has still not been completed. The town website has not been updated for months and months and months. Um, the new website that they tried to open up, um, as of last month, did not have uh, meetings on it, itineraries on it. It did not have uh, minutes from the meetings, prior meetings on it. It didn't have the uh, assessor's role or tax role on it. Um, a number of things that me as a resident, if I even know how to use a computer, would be able to look up and know about. Um, they may have updated some of it within the last couple of weeks that I don't know about, but as of one month ago, when I started getting involved with this at the meeting, the website had no information on it whatsoever. Well, on the bright side, I just punched it in, and at least on the home page, there is a notice of tonight's meeting. doesn't indicate that there would be anything special about the 6 p.m. session at the main town hall at 12 Lewis Street, but um, at, at least... People know there's going to be a meeting as far as well, participation of the IDA or anything else. I mean, there's no agenda that I can see and no indication that there might be anything of special interest to people in the town of Maine. Well, this is a monthly meeting anyway, so it's a planned monthly meeting. Every third uh, Tuesday of the month is the town board meeting that people can go to and listen to and where they make decisions. All um, right. I'm looking on, on many local government websites they have agendas and meeting minutes and things like that i don't see any of that here on the town of maine website unless they have it maybe they have it uh, behind a paywall no they haven't had it they haven't been able to get it on there yet they're still working on it but it's been months months so i'm going to ask for a favor not not that you're a matchmaker but i know that john from binghamton I know that former Mayor Matt Ryan listens into the show, and I'm hoping they hear this uh, conversation and they call in today and help educate me and other residents on how these town boards are supposed to operate um, correctly, um, what the legality is. Are they supposed to post these notices for the people? Do they supposed to give so many weeks notice? Or 
Are they supposed to put it in the paper? What are the rules or where do I find the rules? Because I'm not very computer literate. So I'm asking them to call in or anybody else, maybe somebody from the town of Vestal that had issues and went through this process with the zoning board and Vestal. Well, that's true. There are probably people who dealt with the uh, Bun Hill Road situation in the town of Vestal over uh, the last several years, actually. The whole saga there has been more than a decade. And, it, you know, it occurs to me, apart from this specific meeting tonight, Bob, it occurs to me that a lot of local governments don't want information to actually be put out so their residents and constituents know what's going on ahead of time. They'd rather have these meetings with uh, a select group of people and discuss their plans and then act on their plans. And by the time you see... Uh, the bulldozers and excavators move in, it's too late. I agree, and that's what's a pro- that's a problem. And so they poked the wrong bear. I'm I'm sorry, but I I just want to live my life comfortably. I want to live where I've, I grew up 70 years, and I want to just relax and enjoy my retirement. But these people, they want to sneak around like the wink and the nod in the back alley and, and make the, the, you know, the secret handshake and not tell anybody what's going on until it's too late. Um, I'm asking for help. If anybody, Vesto people, anybody who was on that board or on that uh, committee, anybody that can give me information to help me tonight, um, the circus is going to happen later today at the town meeting in in Maine. Um, with well, another thing that would be good, you know, there are some members of the Industrial Development Agency who routinely listen to the program. If they want to offer their insight into what is planned for tonight's meeting in the town of Maine, that, that could probably be useful. Good luck with that. They would. They didn't even post an update on their website as of yesterday about this meeting. Um, my question also would be maybe somebody from the town of Union, because if they're having the meeting tonight in Maine, they're probably, probably I'm guessing, having the meeting in the town of Union that they're monthly meeting tomorrow night and i i don't know if that's on their website or not but yeah that, that that's a good point and for people not familiar with what we're talking about is we reported um more than three months ago the broom county ida has been discussing purchasing about 300 acres of land in the towns of maine and union that could be used for a new industrial park ida acquired an option to purchase property along airport road and east main road there are three parcels uh, about halfway between Route 17 and the airport. So that's what this is about, and I, I just think it's interesting. So far, nobody from the IDA has come on this program to explain why they think this is a good idea. We've talked about it a couple of times with the county executive, Jason Garner, who says his view is there's a need for more land that could be used for development, what he says uh, would be potentially shovel-ready property that could be used to attract businesses. So that's the county executive's perspective. But so far, nobody from the IDA has been on the program to discuss this. Correct. And that's why I'm asking for help. I'm hoping that your listeners today can, you know, get on the get on the radio, get excited, talk about local politics today and what's wrong with it. Um, give me information to help me with uh, asking questions tonight, questions I should be asking. Um, and my hope is, and I, my belief is, that Box 40 News will be there um, 
for this meeting as well as anybody else that wants to show up. Yeah, maybe there'll be other, you know, 12 News, Spectrum News, uh, News Channel 34, right. WSKG Public Media, the Present Sun Bulletin, maybe uh, 60, 60 Minutes. Maybe even Bob Joseph will show up. No. <laughs> sadly, sadly, I'm not allowed to be out at night anymore. But no, I'm, uh, only, I'm playing with you, Bob. Yeah. But. Well, keep me posted. We'll see what uh, other listeners have to offer. Thanks for the heads up. You got it, Bob, and have a great day. You as well. It's 921. This is Bob Joseph live on WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Well, you're you're still on the radio, so it's a delay. But anyway... Uh, the gentleman uh, you were just speaking with, uh, he, there's no Town of Union meeting tonight. Tonight is the fourth Wednesday of the month. Uh, this was a tricky month because March 1 was, I mean, I'm sorry, February 1 is a Wednesday. And it's going to be the same way in March. So March, I said it again, February 1 and 15 are the first and third Wednesdays of the month. So the Town of Union had their meeting last week. So You know what I first. always say, beware the Ides of March. Yes, I know. Uh, well, it's it's uh, coming up. <laughs> It'll be the second second meeting of the month for Town of Union. So I hope the gentleman's not uh, disappointed. So I, yeah, I, I, I mean, my, mo- my... most urgently or most importantly is the meeting for the Town of Maine tonight. It's too bad that the Town of Maine is unable to put the agenda for their town board meetings on the website. That would be it's a nice wet. I mean, as far as it goes, they have a nice photo of the pagoda or bandshell in in maine on on the website townofmaine.org but there are no i see no agendas no meeting minutes where where is well, the I, info i live in jc so you know it's a, again like johnson city the first tuesday of the month first and first and third tuesday of the month so it, they're usually like one right after the other but march why do i keep saying march february 7 was the first Tuesday of the month for the JC meeting, so it was the first. And uh, right, I see. And tonight, I see the on the Town of Union meeting or Town of Union website, they do have the agenda from last week's meeting. So I give them credit. That's you know, that's a nice touch to have they're your very agenda. Up to, up to, yeah, they're very up to. That's speed, very. Uh, that's very kind of them to keep their constituents in the loops. And I hope they're listening. Uh, Bob Mack, who was uh, previously a a trustee is now the uh, you know the supervisor for. Oh yeah, Robert Mack. I I spoke with him not too long ago. He'll be on the show, I believe, sometime in March. So stay oh, tuned for I that. I can't wait. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> thanks. It's Carolyn Johnson City. It's nine twenty three. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. We work to inform now more than ever in the internet era, as uh, the nation's journalistic infrastructure. Turns into one smoldering mess. At least we're we're still standing at the moment. We're still on the air trying to inform, give you information you're probably not likely going to find elsewhere. Although maybe now that people know about the main town board meeting, maybe it'll be on the news tonight. I might stay up to watch the uh, TV coverage and check the Press Connects website to see how they cover it, because it sounds as though it'll be a very interesting meeting for the town of Maine. 924, Bob Joseph live on a Tuesday morning. This is News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. 
927. This is Bob Joseph on the radio. 607-772-1290. For those who have thoughts, we have the lines. We are pleased to serve you till noon today. Uh, if you go to your local newsstand, be sure to pick up a few copies of the Press and Sun Bulletin. Print edition. The paper probably produced by our neighbors to the north, the Great White North. I assume they're probably get, getting their newsprint still from Canada. So for three fifty, or if you want ten copies, for thirty-five bucks, you can have ten copies of today's Press and Sun Bulletin. And uh, I suggest you switch. Uh, I mean, tune immediately to page three A of the Present Sun Bulletin, and there's an update on a person you may very well know, Art Pennard. Art Pennard, who used to be our WNBF morning news anchor, well, as uh, he advised me at one point, there is life after radio, and Art Pennard serves as an example of that. And take a look at the faith column by... Our colleague Tom Pachano. So check it out. The newspaper. Pick up a copy. They're cheap. 350. Print editions are now available. These are printed near Rochester for the moment. <laughs> Starting soon, they'll be printed in New Jersey. But anyway, get, get your hands on a copy of an actual print newspaper produced in New York State. Get them while they're still around. Take a look at the faith column featuring our friend Art Pennard. I remember him on the radio, and he had an excellent, excellent delivery and uh, persona on the radio. But the headline of the faith column today is, this is not a time to be scared. And that is so true. Don't be scared. You can pay attention to what's going on, but please, don't let your heart be troubled. Let's go to the phones. Uh, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is John. Yeah. I'm calling from uh, Binghamton. Hey, what's up? Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is John. Yeah. I'm calling from uh, Binghamton. Hey, what's up? Well, how about you do me a favor and turn down your listening device? Okay, and I think we got you. Um, I just want to let you know and anybody else who's listening, I did confirm with the town clerk this morning in the town of Maine that the IDA is slated to appear at the town hall meeting tonight, which starts at 6 o'clock. Okay, thanks for checking that on us. Uh, will you be there? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be there because it does directly uh, affect me and my residents, yeah. Yeah, so are you in favor of this plan to turn it into some sort of um, industrial? Absolutely not. No, you don't Absolutely like not. it? How how would it impact you or, or your neighbors if they go through with this? I'm so, How would it impact us? Number one, um, there's going to be more truck traffic. Uh, probably all through the evening hours and maybe into the wee early morning hours of the day and night. Uh, we have plenty of truck traffic as it is with the garbage haulers going to and from the landfill. 
all day long and uh, tractor trailers going to businesses up the road. Um, number two, traffic wise, uh, they want to put a traffic signal, uh, across the road from St. Stan Cemetery, which is across from the parcel in question. And I don't know how familiar you are, Bob, with Airport Road. I've, I've been here most of my life. I grew up right next door to where I live. Um, it's a hazardous roadway, uh, with the sports complex located just before the cemetery and you got these soccer moms and dads pulling out in front of traffic uh going out in front of traffic as you're coming down the hill at 55 miles an hour or so i don't know how many times i've had to slam on the brakes and lay on the horn to avoid a collision there has been collisions there already um that's going to contribute to the traffic hazards that we already have um, I could only assume that my property value and those of my neighbors will plummet. If that happens, I don't see my taxes plummeting. Um, and if it does go through, when they do go to uh, build this thing, there's going to be, it's just going to be a mess. It's just going to be a mess with large machinery coming in and out. Nobody, I've talked to several neighbors uh, north and south of me on Airport Road, and most people have never heard uh, of this proposal. And now that they've been educated on it from what I know and what I've seen on websites and all, nobody that I talked to was in favor of it whatsoever. And one thing that bothers me a lot is you go up Airport Road northbound toward the Broome County Airport, maybe a mile, mile and a half, you're into commercially zoned property. There's property up there. I know there's a property owner up there that uh, proposed that, uh, hey, why don't you put this uh, place on my property? I'd love to have it. Why, why would they want to destroy a neighborhood by, by changing the zoning law from uh, residential to commercial to put a 300-acre uh, industrial park here? I don't see how that's going to benefit the residents or motorists of Airport Road at all. John, I appreciate your call, and keep in touch, okay? Will do, Bob. Thank you. 933, all voices are welcome, so if you are in favor of the plan, I suggest you call. If you are not in favor of the plan, feel free to call. And perhaps you don't know enough about the plan at the moment. Maybe you'll go to the town board meeting at 6 o'clock in Maine on Lewis Street, and then you'll find out more information. But wherever you are with respect to this, you're welcome. You're welcome to call. That's the point of the program. Everyone is welcome. 607-772-1290. This is Bob Joseph. And remember, you're always connected when you use the free WNBF app. 9464. Thirty-seven. As we move forward, never looking back, unless it's convenient for historical purposes. Beverly in the town of Dickinson. Good morning. You're on the air. Uh, good morning. When's this bad weather coming? Uh, it's going to be coming really, really soon. 
So be the most important thing when it comes to uh, the bad weather, be alert because it will be coming um, tomorrow. Tomorrow the bad weather will arrive. Oh, boy, I was I was hoping it wouldn't come. Because it will be coming. Well, I was hoping as well, but, you know, hope only will go so far. You still need five bucks for a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. I mean, you could hope. I can go to the coffee shack and hope they'll give me a free cup of joe. But the reality is the coffee shack has to pay their employees they have to play, pay the electric company, and they also have to pay for their fine brewing equipment. So they can't afford to be giving out cups of coffee to people like me. They have to charge 10 bucks a cup. Oh, brother. Hey, it's inflation, and you know who's responsible. Yes. So, anyway, here's, uh, here, here's the latest guidance on, on the weather. So here's what you need to know. Uh, today is fine, pretty much. I mean, there could be showers and a thunderstorm, believe it or not, today, and, and a chance of showers. But relatively speaking, nothing to really be too concerned about. And then tonight, partly cloudy. Then tomorrow in the afternoon, they say snow, mainly after 3 p.m., accumulating a half inch. And then tomorrow night, rain, snow, and sleet. The snow and sleet accumulation tomorrow night would be about a half inch so it looks like tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night would be times probably to avoid traveling right okay so go out and get your uh, milk and your eggs and your vegemite uh, ahead of time uh, do it today or do it tomorrow before two or two thirty in the afternoon and then just stay inside and watch the weather play out uh, ahead of time yeah uh Mains has got eggs for $2.99 a dozen. How the heck do they do that? That's um that's unbelievable. Then the paper. Mains has got Did you say 2.99? Yes, sir. All right, count me in. Is there a limit? Can you only buy 1 dozen per customer? Insane. All right. Well, I I love eggs because my cholesterol isn't high enough. So I um after noon Maybe I'll drive up there. If you're uh, around there at about 1220 and you see uh, somebody driving the Eggmobile, it could be me. That's you, huh? <laughs> I, want an egg, I want an egg bargain. I mean, I, at prices like that, I could pick up 10 dozen eggs for under $30. That's you, huh? Oh, yeah. All right. I want an egg bargain. Okay, have a good day. All right, thank you. It's Beverly and Dickinson, 941, Bob Joseph. Helping America cope with bad weather on the way. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, let, let me turn my radio up here. Hang yeah, on. could you please, please, I, I implore listeners, when you call in, make sure that you have your listening device right next to the phone and try to turn it up almost as loud as it goes, just to the point, just under the point of distortion, and that way I'll be able to hear what I said better. Yes, uh this is John. I'm in Binghamton. You know, this uh, industrial park at, at the airport, here's the history of the last 30, 40 years around here. Uh, these towns are sitting on vacant land, beautiful land, rolling hills land. And over the years, uh, they turn down people uh, for anything from a, a new garage or a chicken coop. They, 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 uh, you have
haven't got a perk test for this or you can't build that there. And uh, essentially what happens is after decades of, of turning down viable, beautiful projects, uh, desperation uh, comes into play. And uh, we got to do something. Uh, this is after, you know, 20, 30 years of turning projects down. So this is – and uh, then they uh, engineer some sort of swindle uh, uh, that is uh, going to destroy uh, the quality of life uh, on our hills. Uh, so th- this is this is what the airport is. It's nothing more than a insider swindle. Uh, they've they've got a lot of industrial parks here, and you know, to tell you the truth, they've got maintenance work to do. Uh, they've got all kinds of work to do in the existing industrial parks uh, that would keep them busy. But instead, they go and burn land. And one of the interesting things is, is that the most valuable residential land in Broome County uh, has been uh, totally destroyed. Uh, uh, one of the, the the churches come in; they build these mega churches. Uh, nothing wrong with churches, but you know, uh, if they wanted, they they leave the flatlands where the sinners are to to go to uh, uh, suburban locations where uh, there might be a more well-heeled uh, uh, contributors. Uh, and that has uh, been a, a devastating effect. Uh, and uh, all these other schemes, the solar panels and the wind panels, really have destroyed uh, one of the selling points, perhaps the only selling point, and that's the natural uh, beauty of it. So uh, I'm sorry, it looks like this insider swindle is, is going to go through. Uh, the people will regret it. They'll have more special assessments <laughs> than you can shake a stick at. And uh, I, I suggested a big bell, you know, like there's that bell, I think it's on Tremont Ave., Every time a property goes off the county tax rolls, uh, that they, they they have a ceremony and they ring the bell and they uh, they uh, run the numbers and tell you how much more you're going to pay. Because the, the tax base is not growing. It is contracting. Uh, and, uh, you know, all these schemes, I, I, I guess uh, we sit and wait for uh, really – Stanley Whittingham's mostly, mostly useless patents uh, to try to. Well, uh, let's let's not judge prematurely. I'm still cautiously optimistic. Well, here's here's how you. I've said this before, Bob, uh, and you won't get a clear cut answer. Uh, how much revenue? Because it's a it's a, it's around a sixty forty split between the patent holder and the university. Uh, how much revenue did Binghamton University in total uh, generate from their patent income? Uh, how much did the entire state university system generate uh, from their patent income? Uh, they're not even in the top 20. Uh, you know, a long time ago when I went to AT&T school, one of the selling points was, you know, AT&T has Bell Labs. And we have the most patents of any, you know. 
I mean, the, the problem was even when I was there at the time, you know, the patents on the transistor uh, didn't mean much. So, uh, you know, I, I hate to tell my good friend Linda Jackson, Action Jackson, uh, Nick Burlingame, I hate to tell those people in Endicott that they're going after the last big thing. <laughs> well, let's let's hope even even if it doesn't last forever, let's hope that it brings a little bit of new life into one of America's most storied villages. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't know. I long term, I can't I can't predict and I won't predict the viability of making lots of lithium-ion batteries at some point. They may, the company may have to pivot. So hopefully Imperium is in a position to pivot better than IBM was. You know, IBM could still be in the business of making lots of stuff. But in the 70s and 80s, it was a company that seemed to be too big to get out of its own way. And they thought, well, let's continue to make these mainframe computers. There's no real market for home computers or laptops or telephones. Why don't we just keep making these high-margin items and not pay attention to what is going to be the most important development in the technological sector? Because they were quite happy with the wide world of mainframes. And now IBM... The IBM of our fathers and grandfathers no longer exists because they had to reinvent themselves. Now they don't really make stuff. Now, services. Would you like a service? 948, this is Bob Joseph with a talk show that can rightfully be viewed as a service of Town Square Media. Are you there? Nine fifty-two, Bob Joseph live on a Tuesday morning. We're joined now by Karen Sweet O'Neill of KSO Insurance Solutions. Good morning. Morning, Bob. How are you? Great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I got some funky music on there. Yeah, what the heck is that? <laughs> Wait, let me just double check see what that is. Very weird. Again, Roger Neal, of course, picks out the music. Oh, don't blame Roger. <laughs> <laughs> and he's listening saying, Beach, stop that. Nope, nobody is going to believe you for a minute. You pick out the music. All right, Raj. All right. Anyway, what, uh, what will What's you be that? telling us about during your uh, regular weekly segment tomorrow morning at about 920 or 925? Or whenever I call in. Whenever the opportunity yeah, presents. <laughs> we are going to talk about Taxes. Yuck. Yuck. So, oh, yuck. I don't I like taxes. I don't either. I don't think anybody likes taxes. And we are very, well, we're one of the highest, ta- we, I think we are the highest tax state. Well, that's not are. what bothers me. To me, I don't mm-hmm. mind the cost. I mind the paperwork. You know, oh, I, if, I mind both. Well, I, I just say, just take my money, please, and... And don't make me have to fill out paperwork or, or punch in the numbers into my computer, my laptop. Come on. 
Just just take all my money and let me go on with my life. Just let me have enough money to buy uh, a cheese sandwich on Friday to celebrate. Right? You know, well, that's you all. Go to, <laughs> why don't you go to an accountant? Okay, I will. Maybe maybe, you know? the, maybe I'll be able to afford two cheese sandwiches on Fridays. Not if you go to an accountant, you won't. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll go to you. Anyway, so uh, what specifically about taxes will you be telling us about? Well, we're going to talk about making sure you don't leave any money on the table or send it to the government when you don't have to because there's a lot of deductions that you may be overlooking. So maybe you have long-term care insurance and... All these years, you've been able to deduct, you know, your premiums from your from your taxable um, event. And I mean, you can, you know, it, in twenty twenty two, we're looking at over fifty six hundred dollars if your premium is that high. And unfortunately, a lot of people's premium is that high because we've been seeing a lot of rate increases. So that's one of the deductions we want to make sure that you're telling your accountant or your CPA. Or if you're doing your own taxes, that you make sure you put down. Also, did you have, you know, high medical expenses last year? And if you did, did, you know, how? what's the ratio that you can start to deduct those medical expenses? And we'll right. talk about that. All right. And that's probably around 920, 925-ish. If people want to get in touch with you today, in the meantime, what can they do? They can get in touch with us several ways. They can give us a call, 607-772-4898. They can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information comes up. Or simply go to a phone book, and we have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. I will be looking forward to the conversation tomorrow. In the meantime, hope you have a great day. I hope you do, too. Thanks, Bob. Karen Sweet O'Neill, live. Right here on News Radio WNBF. Coming up, some really interesting things. I mean, really interesting things between now and noon, so stay tuned to WNBF. Yaquio. WNBF. ABC News. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, February 21st. You're listening to WNBF. Some Endicott residents are worried that a church built more than a century ago could soon be demolished. Members of the First United Methodist Church on McKinley Avenue have decided it's time to cease operations. The final service is scheduled for Sunday afternoon. Regional representatives of the United Methodist Church have indicated no decision has been made about what will happen to the property. The site was donated by George F. Johnson of the Endicott Johnson Shoe Company. IBM founder Thomas J. Watson Sr. attended services at the Endicott Church. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said a group has been working to develop a daycare center at the church site. She said the property zoning would permit such a use, although it would require the approval of state regulators. Jackson said the rooms that had been used for Sunday school classes would be perfect for daycare. The mayor said the group, known as Greater Endicott Missions, for now is focusing on a daycare program for the church site, but she said members also have been discussing other possible uses for the property. The church is adjacent to the sprawling Huron campus, which was acquired by Phoenix Investors of Milwaukee in 2021. There's been discussion in Endicott that Phoenix may be planning to buy the church property as it redevelops the site that's known as the birthplace of IBM. 
Jackson said Chris Pelto, who manages the Huron campus, has advised her that they have absolutely no plans to go anywhere near the church, not to buy it, not to demolish it, not to do anything. Pelto could not be reached to comment on Monday about any potential expansion of the Huron campus. A fully equipped craft brewery in downtown Binghamton now is on the market more than two years after the place stopped making beer. Galaxy Brewing Company opened its production and dining facility at 41 Court Street in August 2013. Angela Martinez of Keller Williams in Binghamton said the property was listed about three weeks ago. The L-shaped building is on the north side of Court Street with another entrance to the east on Washington Street. Martinez said the listed price is $1.5 million for the property itself. She said a buyer could acquire the building and the beer-making equipment that remains on the site for $2 million. Galaxy Brewing was established by the father and son team of Michael and Seth Weissel. They could not be reached for comment. The Weissels in December 2018 announced the closing of Galaxy Brewing Restaurant as part of a plan to focus on beer production. A few months later, a proposal to move the Galaxy Brewing operations to the former E.H. Titchener & Company building on Clinton Street was presented to the City Planning Commission. That property had been acquired by Isaac Anzarut, who had joined the Weissels as a partner. The move to Clinton Street never happened amid disagreements involving the partners. In May 2020, the Planning Commission approved a proposed Anzarut redevelopment project for the 41 Court Street property. The plans called for the creation of 24 apartments with 55 bedrooms at the site. The project also was scrapped. Ansroot told WMBF News he's lost interest in developing the Court Street property. Binghamton and Johnson City officials have cited Ansroot for various code violations on some of the properties he owns. Ansroot said he wants to sell more than 100 properties he owns in Broome County. He said, I don't have the appetite to fight with government officials. On February 17th, the New York State Police in Binghamton responded to a reported fatal car and pedestrian accident on State Route 7 in the area of Belden Manor Road in the town of Colesville. The investigation revealed that a Ram pickup truck was being operated westbound on State Route 7 when the driver was unable to avoid the pedestrian, Angela Kelly, age 47, of Binghamton, New York. The investigation further revealed that Kelly was walking in the westbound lane while dressed in dark clothing, and the operator of the Ram pickup truck was unable to avoid Kelly in the roadway. Troopers were assisted by state police investigators, the Troop C Collision Reconstruction Unit, EMS personnel, and the Broome County Coroner. The New York State Police reminds pedestrians to remain vigilant and exercise caution while walking near roadways. President Joe Biden is back in Poland after an unannounced visit with President Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine. Monday's surprise trip was a gesture of solidarity coming days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Biden delivered remarks and met Zelensky to announce an additional half billion dollars in U.S. assistance and to reassure Ukraine of American and allied support. Although he was on Ukrainian territory for about 23 hours, traveling by train from and back to Poland, while Biden was in Ukraine, U.S. surveillance planes kept watch over Kyiv from Polish airspace. It was a defiant display of Western solidarity with Ukraine days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion. The Supreme Court is taking up its first case about a federal law that is credited with helping create the modern Internet. The law shields Google, Twitter, Facebook, and other companies from lawsuits over content posted on their sites by others. The justices are hearing arguments Tuesday about whether the family of a terrorism victim can sue Google for helping extremists spread their message and attract new recruits. The case is the court's first look at Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, adopted early in the Internet age to protect companies from being sued over information their users post online. 
New court filings show the prosecution in the case of a fatal New Mexico film set shooting has made a stark turnaround that drops the possibility of a mandatory five-year sentence against Alec Baldwin. The actor-producer's attorneys had earlier objected to the enhancement they said was unconstitutional because it was added after the October 2021 shooting. The amended complaint was made public Monday. Baldwin and weapons supervisor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed were charged last month with felony involuntary manslaughter in the shooting death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins during rehearsals for the film Rust at a ranch outside Santa Fe, New Mexico. An alligator was found in a chilly New York City lake on Sunday, far from the subtropical and tropical climates where such creatures thrive. The four-foot reptile was pulled from Prospect Park Lake in Brooklyn around 8.30 a.m. and taken to an animal care center and then the Bronx Zoo for medical treatment and rehabilitation. City officials said the gator appeared lethargic and possibly cold-shocked. It was likely dumped as an unwanted pet, they said. Releasing animals in city parks is illegal. Police are investigating. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, showers and possibly a thunderstorm before 4 p.m., then a chance of showers. A high near 45 degrees, wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour, an 80% chance of rain. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low near 26. Tomorrow, snow, mainly after 3 p.m., a high near 37 degrees, an 80% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, rain, snow, and sleep before 8 p.m., then rain and sleep between 8 p.m. and 3 a.m., then rain after 3 a.m., a low near 33 degrees, a 100% chance of rain. And Thursday, rain likely before 1 p.m., then showers likely after 1 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a high near 58 degrees, a 70% chance of rain. Thursday night, chance of rain showers before 4 a.m., then a chance of snow showers. Mostly cloudy with a low near 22 degrees, a 50% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio Classics, even from the back of the rack. All right. Who are we trying to kid anyway? Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290. Yes, we are here for you. We perform a service of sorts. And uh, why not? Why not? So tune in. Coming up on the program, June Everett, campaign director of After School Satan Club. June Everett. She says she's 
an ordained minister of the Satanic Temple. What is After School Satan Club? That will be one of the questions to be addressed live on WNBF. Don't touch that dial or device. Whatever, whatever. All right, let's see. Let's see uh, if we can get some calls going here on the big radio program. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What is your first name and where are you calling from? My name is Dave and I'm calling from Vesco. And good morning, Bob. Good morning, Dave. Hey. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, you mentioned that satanic club there again. You know, <laughs> that isn't the reason why I called, but, you know, it's a shame that had to be. But you know what? He can't risk a lawsuit. Can't blame him. Got to do what he's got to do. But you know what, Bob? You know what's next? Um, <laughs> coming soon to a school near you. Drag queens. Right. And drag kings. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, probably the other, you know, if if Queens and Kings County want to get involved, no doubt Staten Island and the rest of New York City. So all of New York City will be represented with uh, special meetings at your local educational outpost. <laughs> See what I'm hey, saying? Good way to put it. Good way to put it, Bob. Educational outpost. <laughs> really. You kids, I'm going to learn you if it's the last thing I do. Now, you sit down and you fill out that paper and you answer those questions. You fill in the dots with your number two pencil and here, have a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> I would be the ultimate, the ultimate teacher. Yes, sir. Hey, yeah, the main reason why I called, though, Bob, I was listening to you talk about the paper. You know, I'm still trying to justify donating. You know, you said go out and buy 35 copies, or, or no, 10 copies, you said. I, I think, said really. buy buy 10 copies, yeah, and it'll yeah. cost you 35 bucks. Hell, yeah, excuse <laughs> my expression, but hell, oh, wait, I can't talk about it because of the, of the nature <laughs> of the article. Heck, what I would do, buy 100 copies, and it's only... 350 bucks and then you've got plenty of copies of this story and and it's a beautiful photo i mean i uh i am just impressed i had been looking forward to this uh column for the last several days because i was in contact actually um can i give you a little behind the scenes Sure. Behind the scenes. So behind the scenes, Tom Pachano, who wrote the uh, faith column for the Press and Sun Bulletin today, last week he was at the church on Hooper Road with Art Pennard. And again, these are two of my favorite people of all time. So they were there together, and they called me because something had happened outside the church, which was interesting. And so they were talking, and well... Well, they were talking on the phone outside the church. Then uh, a utility crew came along and with a chainsaw and started cutting a tree. And then it, it just got too noisy, so I wasn't able to continue my conversation. But I was looking forward to the uh, column that's on page 3A of the Present Sun Bulletin. So, again, I recommend everyone, everyone go out to your favorite newsstand your neighborhood newsstand and and buy them out however many copies they have if they have 20 copies buy 20 copies if they have 5 copies buy 5 if they're sold out go up to the present sun bulletin uh, global headquarters at 33 lewis road and ask them to sell you some copies bob you know you got me thinking though you know I, for 44 years now 
My wife and I have had that newspaper 44 years. And, Bob, it's kind of disappointing now because they're way behind in the news. I know everything I read just about, except, you know, there's certain things in there you get, like, um, I love, uh, what's his name, Gerald Smith. I mean, Well, yeah, half, I, I half the newspaper these days, yeah. half the local content is Jerry Smith with his history columns and pictures and things like that i love it i love yeah, by the way i love the people who write for the newspaper i just wish they would let them write more stories because you know i was counting the stories that they wrote so far in february and compared to how many stories i've written in february let's put it this way if we were keeping score which i don't i think i've written more stories so far in february than their reporters combined so but, you know, that's neither here nor there. I mean, obviously, my stories are not as long as newspaper stories. My stories are, are, tend to be, you know, I mean, they're medium length. They're not really short, but they're, they're not newspaper length. So I understand for newspaper reporting, you need, need to dig deeper. And that's what they're it's doing. Changed. They're, they're digging it's deep. It's changed so much about, and you, know, you remember when we used to get the good times? Oh, the good times. Oh, oh, good times yeah. and great oldies. Every Thursday, yeah. Chris Coker yeah. used to have all yeah. these stories, the musicians, oh, yeah. he would do interviews, and other Press and Sun Bulletin writers would contribute to the good times section. Now look at sure. it. Sure. Look at it oh, now. Yeah, and now, and now it's not even called good times. Now I think they re, uh, they rebranded bad times. Although I still learned some things, about Go back to Sunday. Gerald Smith in there. I, I was so surprised when I read that story in there about Johnson Field. But I did not realize that Babe Ruth hit a home run in that park. I mean, I, I couldn't believe what I was Well, you, you, if you had listened, if you had listened to Gerald Smith a few months ago, we had talked about that, I think, on the Jerry Smith segment. Um, I don't know if it was in the fall. But, yeah, we made reference. It was really, it was the darndest thing. And I didn't see Jerry's um, most recent newspaper uh, contribution about that. But but the, the thing is, it was an exhibition game, I believe, the Yankees and the triplets. And as I mm -hmm. recall, uh, the babe, um, had, I don't know if he had had any hits up until the eighth inning. And then suddenly he... Um, he jacked one out of there, and then uh, the place went wild. The place erupted, and the crowd, uh, Johnson Field there, which is now part of Route 17, thanks to the New York State Department of Transportation, um, the crowd went wild, and, and they just uh, flooded the field, and so the game was called. The game was never completed, but that was, that was the story of uh, Babe Ruth hitting a home run at the same spot where the DOT took my favorite baseball stadium, near my grandma's house. Of course, you know me, Dave. I don't hold grudges. No, no. Hey, you know what? Bob, back then, too, I learned from the story on Sunday that they didn't keep the balls. The kids, that when they got a ball that was hit out of the park, they'd sell them back to the team. They'd get, a, get some few cents for the ball. Well, you know, times were different then. I know, I know. I mean, now you get to but, keep the ball because they're charging you $40 a Coke, $80 for a hot dog. I'm not talking about the local baseball. The Rumble Ponies still have have uh, concession prices that are fairly reasonable. I'm talking about the big boys. You, I don't know. I haven't been to uh, a baseball game. I haven't seen the Mets or the Yankees play in a long time, but I, I have to surmise that uh, by now an 8-ounce Coke is about 45 bucks. 
and a pretzel. <laughs> I don't think it. <laughs> a pretzel probably will set you back about ninety bucks. I know it's terrible, Bob. Try to take a family of four or five to a ball game. Yeah, you have to take out a loan anymore to go. I don't know. <laughs> Elon Musk. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos said they didn't see a problem. Yeah, well, they wouldn't. No. Plus, do they even have kids? Am I right, people? Well, Wait, does well, Elon Musk have any kids that we know of? I think he does have yeah, a couple. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And maybe maybe a few that he doesn't know of, too. But we don't know. Hey, hey now. So. <laughs> hey now, I represent that. Now, you better better retract that because <laughs> Elon, okay. that's, that was a slip of the tongue. Elon Musk, <laughs> Elon Musk is a man of the highest integrity, so certainly... Certainly, we know that that's not the type of thing that would ever happen with my friend and personal hero, Elon Musk, the current owner of Twitter. And I praise, I praise Elon Musk from the minute I get up until the moment I, I take my final, uh, uh, breath before I go off to dreamland. And I dream of the new Twitter that is being brought to us by the, the guy who also gave us those Tesla superchargers. Yes. You know, I'll tell you one thing, when it gets really cold, if it gets cold again, which it probably will between now and the end of winter, if it ever gets below zero, the one thing you don't want to do, and I saw this in a movie once, a kid tried it, but don't do it in real real life, don't stick your tongue on the Tesla supercharger if the temperature is below freezing because, well, I'm not going to tell you, just don't do it. <laughs> Won't do it, Bob. Thanks. All right, stay tuned. We've got yeah. uh, we've got a lot coming up, a lot on my plate today. Okay, have a good one, Bob. Ten twenty three. This is Bob Joseph live again. I implore you, do not stick your tongue on a Tesla supercharger. Actually, regardless of what the temperature is, I mean, even if it's like right now forty, whatever. Who knows what the temperature is? We we have no thermometer. Wait, we do have a thermometer. Hold on. They just moved it to a different place. 39 right now in downtown Binghamton. Even now, with the temperature 7 degrees above freezing, don't, do not attempt to stick your tongue on a Tesla supercharger. That is not to be done. 1024, 1290 The people at the Weather Channel can't help themselves. I know that's not news, but it's true. Historic winter storm, that's what it says on the Weather Channel website. Breaking news, historic winter storm. Winter storm buck. So, that's the Weather Channel for you. It's not, don't, if you live in the Binghamton area, don't be alarmed. This is just the Weather Channel trying to hype up another storm. Historic winter storm. Winter storm buck. Breaking news. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 1025. Don't worry. I'm keeping an eye on the weather. It's probably going to be okay. This is Bob Joseph live on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. Another lovely day in the neighborhood, Mr. Joseph's neighborhood. 
as we always broadcast from 9 to noon, weekday mornings on WNBF. Twenty nine WNBF WNBF dot com. Oh no, another trooper gate. Come on, man. Come on. How many trooper gates can we have in New York State? Really? I mean, is this even a possible? According to the New York Post, another trooper gate seems to be emerging. A story by Larry Salona and Jorge. It's Gibbon. Governor Hochul's New York City security detail under investigation for faking work records. State police investigators are probing whether troopers in Governor Kathy Hochul's security detail have been cheating taxpayers by claiming they're on the clock when they're actually Blowing off their shifts, the Post has learned. The probe is focused on members of the governor's detail stationed in New York City. And those troopers under scrutiny have already been removed from their post and could face disciplinary action if the allegations are confirmed. Officials and law enforcement sources told the New York Post the governor's detail includes a rotating group of more than 40 very, very large troopers and supervisors. The New York State Troopers Internal Affairs Bureau is probing claims that at least some of them had their records falsified so they could still get paid even when they weren't working, sources said. Some of the troopers are specifically accused of having colleagues sign them in on timesheets and then simply not showing up for their shifts, sources said. (laughs) I think I know. One of the sources. IAB investigators grilled several troopers in Hochul's detail about the allegations with more officers expected to be questioned later this week, according to sources. The probers also are reviewing everyone's timesheet, sources said. In a statement, state police spokesman William Duffy confirmed that the agency, quote, has launched an administrative investigation into time and attendance issues involving members of the Protective Services Unit. Duffy said in his statement, remember, he's not allowed to answer questions, but he can and will release a statement when... It's viewed as appropriate by the governor. Integrity is one of our core values, and we thoroughly investigate any claims of wrongdoing. If our investigation determines that our policies were violated, the state police will take appropriate disciplinary action. The sources said each of the Albany and New York City security details consist of four large troopers and one supervisor when they're on duty with the details drawn from the bigger group, members of the same rotating group, guard Hochul when she's at home in Buffalo, 
although it is unclear how many personnel that involves. And trust me, don't bother asking because they're not going to tell you. The state police said it does not confirm details of security deployments or how many troopers are assigned to each location for safety reasons. The allegations of time clock cheating surfaced earlier this month. The sources said a Hochul spokeswoman told the New York Post, we take any allegation of misconduct very seriously and there must be accountability for any violation of the public's trust. So, all right, well, you know, again, they're just allegations. Apparently nothing's been proven. So we'll see how that review actually pans out. My encounters with the governor's security detail have always been interesting. I remember my favorite encounter, and I know you've heard this story before if you're a regular listener. My favorite encounter with the governor's security detail was when Elmer, uh, I mean, George Elmer Pataki, the governor, was in Binghamton's first ward at the senior center. And so he did his obligatory, ah, the star property tax relief, aren't I a good governor? To which the senior citizens replied with, hey, we're here for lunch. Stop talking, Mr. Governor. We want lunch. So after the governor made his self-serving statement to the assembled multitude, that is the media, afterwards, of course, I wanted to ask the governor about some actual news I think it was about the budget or something. There may be layoffs. There was some relevant story in the news. So, of course, because New York's governor shows up in Broome County so infrequently, I took advantage of the opportunity to try to ask Governor Pataki some relevant questions about the real news of the day. And, of course, his security detail would have none of that. Remember, this is not... George Pataki's doing, as far as I know. It's the security detail. And remember, I'm just a little teeny tiny reporter who has never played football. And the governor's security detail consists of, eh, let's see, in the first word, I don't recall if it was two or three very, 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 very big, athletic, powerful state troopers. And they didn't want a local reporter asking the governor questions. I remember the governor slithered out of the First Ward uh, Senior Center at 226 Clinton Street that day. He slid out through a back door hoping to slip in to his black SUV with tinted windows and not have to encounter any troubling reporters. But one reporter was clever enough to try to ask questions. I think I wound up Despite the best efforts of a security operation, I think I was able to ask uh, one or two questions to Governor Pataki. I think even though the very large and very businesslike security troopers didn't want me to ask the governor questions, I always wonder about police who think they're news directors. I think Governor Pataki, to my recollection, Governor Pataki didn't say, Hey, troopers, stop that reporter from trying to ask me a question. The troopers uh, appeared, took, took it upon themselves. No, we don't want reporters asking relevant questions. You, little reporter, get out of here. That's what happens when you 
<laughs> reporting in the United States. I don't know. It might be easier for reporters in other countries, but in the United States, you know, what we really need is freedom of the press. So reporters are allowed and encouraged to ask questions to government officials instead of discouraged by big, powerful, business-like, taxpayer-supported security people. On the other hand, they certainly were friendlier than the Texas Rangers were when George W. Bush was in town. <laughs> There's another story. 1037, this is WNBF. Let's go to the phones. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello, it's DJ from Binghamton. I was just coming down from the south side to Holly and State, and there's three or four police cars, and I just want to let you know about something going on. There's a news reporter there, too. Do you know about it? No, I'm here at the station. So what? Yeah, I there know are three. You are. How many border. police cars? I think I saw three and an ambulance and a reporter with a camera. On a Were they marked on. units, the BPD units? Yeah. Any state so, police? Yeah. Any of the governor's security no, troopers? No, Kathy Hochul wasn't here. I saw her at Dinky uh. Donuts last night. She was cutting a three musketeers bar with a knife and fork. So hey, did it look hey. Did it look like there may have been a vehicle collision? <sighs> vehicle collision? No, the vehicle collision was yesterday. I sent you an email about that on North, in, on North Street. Did you get your email about the vehicle collision on North Street? Mm -hmm. Yeah, WBNG showed it. That was yesterday. Yeah, I didn't go because it was not a serious vehicle collision. The person was not seriously hurt. And also, while I was driving around being a blessing to the community, I also saw on Beethoven and some other street another police incident. There's a lot going on, Bob. But let me tell you this. I heard you guys talk, or the news maybe, talking about um, Kathy Hochul and her uh, peculiar state troopers filing false whatever allegedly nothing's been proven they're just reviewing yeah. to make sure that they yes. didn't have uh their colleagues you know there's nothing in my estimation in the workplace there's nothing worse well actually there are some worse things but it's pretty <laughs> bad <laughs> ask elliot spitzer um right. it's pretty bad if you falsify your your time report your time sheet so We'll see what happens. Again, this is the New York Post, so take it for what it's worth. I, you know, I, I, I trust the reporting of Larry Salona and Jorge Fitzgibbon, but again, it's possible that everything was, was done correctly. So I'm just reporting what their story said. And I'm sure if the troopers are exonerated, I'm sure the New York Post will report on that as well. Well, this is perfect timing because I want to send a shout out to you and all the listeners and to uh, our beloved one and only uh, Mark Molinero. I want to see him be governor next. I think he'll clean her clock. So let's stay on her case because she's a little, uh, you know, out to lunch on a lot of things, outlawing uh Glass packs on cars and, and, and pipes on well, motorcycles. Thank goodness. And, yeah, I mean, at least she's taking some good steps. You know, she's ah, not perfect. Come on, Bob. Come on, DJ. She's not perfect, but at least she's taking a few good steps for New York. Mark Molinero, do you hear me? This is DJ. You know who I am. I'm the preacher that shows up at all your events. And he said to me, one of the last ones, he goes, boy, I see you almost every day. I'm like, you think? We need you in to be our next governor, Mark Molinero. So let's 
get the fundraising going and let's kick her to the curb like a Yule tree in January. Oh, come on with the imagery. Just say, we would like, we would like Kathy Hochul to be succeeded by someone else. You don't have to use that kind of imagery. Say that. You ready? We would like Kathy Hochul to be kicked to the tree. <laughs> All right, enough. That's, come on, be nice, DJ. All right, I'll respect that. <laughs> Thank you. Be nice. See you later. Thanks. <laughs> hey, you know, Kathy Hochul, say what you will. She had a big mess. You know, let's be blunt. After a decade of uh, management by Andrew Cuomo, Kathy Hochul inherited a big mess when she became governor. There's only so much cleaning you can do over a year and a half or however long it's been. I guess it's been a little over a year and a half. I think she's made progress in trying to clean up the big mess. But the mess was so big, was so enormous, it's going to take years, I think. Unfortunately, the Democrats who are in charge of the state Senate and state assembly are helping to clean up the big mess at the Capitol. It's 1041. Our number is 607-772-1290. My name is Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Today. the hits all the time on the big end for the mighty 1290 <laughs> wait it's a preview of the new formats the mighty 1045, Bob Joseph taking care of business. And let's take a look at the uh, feedback from the Twitter mob. Oh, some malcontents writes, Bob, Bob from somewhere writes regarding uh, a report that another 160 jobs are being lost in New York State because a business is moving some of its operations out of New York State to Cleveland. And uh, this Bob, who knows where he's from, Bob from somewhere on Twitter wrote, businesses moving out of New York State, shocking. Well, gee, that sounds unnecessarily sarcastic. So the tweet to which he was responding was something I sent out a little while ago. The... Buffalo News is going to shut down its printing plant. Well, isn't that interesting? So the Buffalo News 
has decided they, they think they should shut down their printing plant. Yeah, and move their printing operations to Cleveland. So that'll be another 160 jobs lost for New York State. And remember, um, in a few weeks, Gannett will close its printing plant near Rochester. So I can't remember exactly how many people lose jobs there. Might be close to 200. By the way, that's where your Binghamton Press is printed (laughs) near Rochester because Gannett a few years ago closed down its almost new printing plant in Johnson City and got rid of 100 people. Now, it's understandable to a point that given the trends in the newspaper business, you can't keep printing uh, lots of newspapers at printing plants all around New York State because people aren't buying lots of print newspapers anymore. That's the reality. So the uh, truth is they're of course, going to be closing down more print locations. So Johnson City was closed, and then Rochester area will close. Buffalo will be closing soon. The Oh, a guy, a professor, says this is part of a larger trend that's also happening nationally. Uh, his name is Aaron Schimble, the dean of Jandoli School of Communications at St. Bonaventure University and story from WKBW in Buffalo says uh, Chimble observed it says it does limit the ability to get the print product out in a timely fashion and to have the latest updates in the newspaper. Obviously, Cleveland is several hours away from Buffalo, so getting the papers there and making all of that happen will certainly put some barriers in getting the latest news out. An article in the Buffalo News said this change will allow us to sustain investments in the journalism that is at the core of our mission. So Gannett, as far as I know, Gannett will be printing no more newspapers in New York State after April. The newspapers... Say for Binghamton, Elmira, Ithaca, I guess Corning, who knows, Hornell, Rochester, I don't know. Who knows? I guess they're all going to be printed in New Jersey starting in a few weeks. Interestingly, if you do the, if you check out the actual distance between Binghamton and the new printing site, the new printing site in New Jersey actually will be a little bit closer to Binghamton than the place where they're printing them now. Does that mean we'll get any kind of later news in the press and Sun Bulletin? No. <laughs> no. That's obviously that's if anything, the deadlines will probably be pushed back even more. And let's face it, the printing site in New Jersey, they'll wind up printing lots of Gannett papers because of consolidation. So that's where the industry is heading. I still think that at, at some point, why don't they just do this? This isn't going to solve all their headaches. It won't fix all their problems. But why don't they just say, starting in July, this way it gives people a few months to uh, seek counseling or whatever it is they need to get them through the change, just announce that starting in July, the newspaper 
Gannett newspapers will print one day a week. They will put out a weekend edition. They don't have to call it a Sunday paper anymore. Just print it, say, on Thursday or Friday and deliver it sometime Friday or Saturday. And that way, people can look at their print newspaper all weekend. They could spend all day Saturday and Sunday reading the comics and reading the opinion pieces and all the thoughtful investigative journalism in the papers. Just do one print edition a week and then stop going through all the the angst of because it's just I know it's got to be viewed as just a big pain for the newspaper to keep putting out papers Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, then Saturday. Remember, they gave up on Saturday last year. And then put out a Sunday paper that seems to have a deadline of, of Thursday at noon. So just do one one paper a week. And that way, for those of us who are dinosaurs and still are willing to pay for a print edition, we can look forward to that weekly newspaper with, yes, the ads and the comics and whatever else you like, those bizarre bonus sections. <laughs> Here's a bonus section because you're you're smart enough to subscribe to our paper. Here's a bonus section about a topic you have no interest in, and then we'll charge an extra $6 for a bonus section that is totally irrelevant to your life. So that sounds like a business plan. It's 1052. This is Bob Joseph just trying to help on WNBM. Com. Fifty-five. Bob Joseph. Until noon. Then Dan Bongino. It's all for you at News Radio WNBF. Let's take a look at the weather from the uh, Weather Bureau at uh, Mount Ettrick at uh, Weather Bureau headquarters. Here's the forecast for today. Showers, possibly a thunderstorm this afternoon. High 45. Partly cloudy tonight, low 26. Tomorrow, cloudy. Snow developing in the afternoon. High 37. Rain, snow, and sleet tomorrow night. Low 33 for Thursday. Mostly cloudy. Rain likely in the morning. Showers in the afternoon. High 58. Right now, it's 40 in downtown Binghamton at News Radio. WNBF broadcasting at 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Always available to you, as well as your friends and family, on WNBF app. WNBF app. It's free and delicious. So get one at your local app store. Widely viewed is one of the finest apps currently available. National Weather Service continuing to monitor the winter system that is heading our way. The forecasters say it'll bring a mix of snow, sleet, freezing rain, and rain tomorrow afternoon through Thursday morning. And again, they're continuing to intimidate me with the warning that winter weather headlines may be needed at a later time. Winter weather headlines. So I'll have to 
alert my headline editor that winter weather headlines may be needed so he can put some extra extra juice in the headlines. Again, right now it's 40 in downtown Binghamton at News Radio. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. WNBF. Ryan, ABC News. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, February 21st. You're listening to WNBF. Some Endicott residents are worried that a church built more than a century ago could soon be demolished. Members of the First United Methodist Church on McKinley Avenue have decided it's time to cease operations. The final service is scheduled for Sunday afternoon. Regional representatives of the United Methodist Church have indicated no decision has been made about what will happen to the property. The site was donated by George F. Johnson of the Endicott Johnson Shoe Company. IBM founder Thomas J. Watson Sr. attended services at the Endicott Church. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said a group has been working to develop a daycare center at the church site. She said the property zoning would permit such a use, although it would require the approval of state regulators. Jackson said the rooms that had been used for Sunday school classes would be perfect for daycare. The mayor said the group, known as Greater Endicott Missions, for now is focusing on a daycare program for the church site, but she said members also have been discussing other possible uses for the property. The church is adjacent to the sprawling Huron campus, which was acquired by Phoenix Investors of Milwaukee in 2021. There's been discussion in Endicott that Phoenix may be planning to buy the church property as it redevelops the site that's known as the birthplace of IBM. Jackson said Chris Pelto, who manages the Huron campus, has advised her that they have absolutely no plans to go anywhere near the church, not to buy it, not to demolish it, not to do anything. Pelto could not be reached to comment on Monday about any potential expansion of the Huron campus. A fully equipped craft brewery in downtown Binghamton now is on the market more than two years after the place stopped making beer. Galaxy Brewing Company opened its production and dining facility at 41 Court Street in August 2013. Angela Martinez of Keller Williams in Binghamton said the property was listed about three weeks ago. The L-shaped building is on the north side of Court Street with another entrance to the east on Washington Street. Martinez said the listed price is $1.5 million for the property itself. She said a buyer could acquire the building and the beer-making equipment that remains on the site for $2 million. Galaxy Brewing was established by the father and son team of Michael and Seth Weissel. They could not be reached for comment. The Weissels in December 2018 announced the closing of Galaxy Brewing Restaurant as part of a plan to focus on beer production. A few months later, a proposal to move the Galaxy Brewing operations to the former E.H. Titchener & Company building on Clinton Street was presented to the City Planning Commission. That property had been acquired by Isaac Anzarut, who had joined the Weissels as a partner. The move to Clinton Street never happened amid disagreements involving the partners. In May 2020, the Planning Commission approved a proposed Anzarut redevelopment project for the 41 Court Street property. The plans called for the creation of 24 apartments with 55 bedrooms at the site. The project also was scrapped. Anzarut told WMBF News he's lost interest in developing the Court Street property. Binghamton and Johnson City officials have cited Anzarut for various code violations on some of the properties he owns. Ansroot said he wants to sell more than 100 properties he owns in Broome County. He said, I don't have the appetite to fight with government officials. On February 17th, the New York State Police in Binghamton responded to a reported fatal car and pedestrian accident on State Route 7 in the area of Belden Manor Road in the town of Colesville. 
The investigation revealed that a Ram pickup truck was being operated westbound on State Route 7 when the driver was unable to avoid the pedestrian, Angela Kelly, age 47, of Binghamton, New York. The investigation further revealed that Kelly was walking in the westbound lane while dressed in dark clothing, and the operator of the Ram pickup truck was unable to avoid Kelly in the roadway. Troopers were assisted by state police investigators, the Troop C Collision Reconstruction Unit, EMS personnel, and the Broome County Coroner. The New York State Police reminds pedestrians to remain vigilant and exercise caution while walking near roadways. President Joe Biden is back in Poland after an unannounced visit with President Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine. Monday's surprise trip was a gesture of solidarity coming days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Biden delivered remarks and met Zelensky to announce an additional half billion dollars in U.S. assistance and to reassure Ukraine of American and allied support. Although he was on Ukrainian territory for about 23 hours, traveling by train from and back to Poland, while Biden was in Ukraine, U.S. surveillance planes kept watch over Kyiv from Polish airspace. It was a defiant display of Western solidarity with Ukraine days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion. The Supreme Court is taking up its first case about a federal law that is credited with helping create the modern Internet. The law shields Google, Twitter, Facebook, and other companies from lawsuits over content posted on their sites by others. The justices are hearing arguments Tuesday about whether the family of a terrorism victim can sue Google for helping extremists spread their message and attract new recruits. The case is the court's first look at Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, adopted early in the Internet age to protect companies from being sued over information their users post online. New court filings show the prosecution in the case of a fatal New Mexico film set shooting has made a stark turnaround that drops the possibility of a mandatory five-year sentence against Alec Baldwin. The actor-producer's attorneys had earlier objected to the enhancement they said was unconstitutional because it was added after the October 2021 shooting. The amended complaint was made public Monday. Baldwin and weapons supervisor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed were charged last month with felony involuntary manslaughter in the shooting death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins during rehearsals for the film Rust at a ranch outside Santa Fe, New Mexico. An alligator was found in a chilly New York City lake on Sunday, far from the subtropical and tropical climates where such creatures thrive. The four-foot reptile was pulled from Prospect Park Lake in Brooklyn around 8.30 a.m. and taken to an animal care center and then the Bronx Zoo for medical treatment and rehabilitation. City officials said the gator appeared lethargic and possibly cold-shocked. It was likely dumped as an unwanted pet, they said. Releasing animals in city parks is illegal. Police are investigating. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, showers and possibly a thunderstorm before 4 p.m., then a chance of showers. A high near 45 degrees, wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour, an 80% chance of rain. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low near 26. Tomorrow, snow, mainly after 3 p.m., a high near 37 degrees, an 80% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, rain, snow, and sleep before 8 p.m., then rain and sleep between 8 p.m. and 3 a.m., then rain after 3 a.m., a low near 33 degrees, a 100% chance of rain. And Thursday, rain likely before 1 p.m., then showers likely after 1 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a high near 58 degrees, a 70% chance of rain. Thursday night, chance of rain showers before 4 a.m., then a chance of snow showers. Mostly cloudy with a low near 22 degrees, a 50% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. 
Bob Joseph live on a Tuesday morning. We'll be taking phone calls in the order in which they receive. 607-772-1290. Call in. 607-772-1290. If you would like to talk about a few things on WNBF. Hello, my love. I heard a kiss from you. Red magic sat and played near two. All through the morning rain I gaze, the sun doesn't shine. Rainbows and waterfalls run through my mind. And a good morning. Oh, this just in. Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. This just in. The Flash apparently official. The Guns and Roses World Tour is going to hit New York State. So if you're a big fan of Guns and Roses, be prepared. The World Tour of Guns and Roses is going to hit New York State. It's coming soon. And... There. <laughs> According to this story in the Albany Times Union, Axel Rose Slash and Duff McKagan will be joined by rhythm guitarist Richard Fortas, drummer Frank Ferrer, and keyboardist Dizzy Reed and Melissa Reese. The concert will feature the hits that made Guns N' Roses a legend over almost four decades. So there you go. If you're a fan of the Guns and Roses, no, not Guns and Roses, Guns and Roses, be prepared. September 1st. And you're saying, well, Bob, but where? At the Forum in Binghamton? At the Arena, perchance? Uh, no. Thank you, though, for asking. The... Uh, only New York date for the new Guns and Roses tour. The only New York date currently listed is Saratoga. So if you want to see Guns and Roses, circle September 1st. Friday, September 1st at SPAC, Saratoga Performing Arts Center. So who says there's no good news? Tickets will go on sale on Friday. And, of course, you can, if you have a vivid imagine, you can kind of figure out how much those tickets will cost. You know, when I was a kid, we could go to a concert. <laughs> and we would pay $10 for the ticket and then get changed back so we could buy a nice cold moxie at the concert venue. What else is going on? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, what else is the Albany Times Union featuring? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Politician expelled from a raucous meeting? Okay. Okay, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> a politician expelled at a raucous meeting. A former town supervisor was escorted out of a meeting by sheriff's deputies. Wow. A raucous meeting, which was actually covered by Steve Hughes of the Albany Times Union. I know he was there because Steve Hughes actually snapped a picture. Dozens of town residents showed up 
at a hearing on a proposed law that would allow ATVs on some roads in Bern. In an occasionally testy two-hour public hearing that saw a former town supervisor escorted from the building by sheriff's deputies, dozens of residents expressed their opposition to a proposed law that would open some roads to ATVs and other off-road vehicles. Well, this is a, a switch. Usually when somebody is being escorted or pushed and shoved out of a meeting, usually it's a journalist. Of course, this was New York State, where journalists are still allowed to cover public meetings. Unlike Ohio, where if you're a reporter invited to a news conference, better not make that Ohio National Guard person unhappy, or else he'll show you what the First Amendment's like. I noticed, by the way, that the reporter who was arrested improperly in Ohio for doing a live shot during the governor's news conference about the train derailment. I notice News Nation has sent him back into East Palestine, Ohio, so that ought to go well. Somebody on Twitter said, well, make sure that you don't go one mile an hour over the speed limit and make sure that you come to a full stop at every intersection because I bet they, they'll be monitoring that reporter. There must be a lot of people in East Palestine who are really steamed that the charges got dropped from that reporter who had the nerve, the unmitigated gall, to do a live shot during the governor's news conference about the train derailment that was threatening residents. East Palestine. Well... You know, talk about talk about great publicity. Imagine if that happened around here. I know you're saying, but Bob, the police around here wouldn't do that to a journalist doing his or her job. And I say, of course, you're right. The law enforcement authorities around here encourage reporters to do their job. It's eleven eighteen. This is Bob Joseph. Love and Life on a Tuesday, WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, always available on your free WNBF app. 464. News Radio Johnny, no, we're not sorry. <laughs> not at all. Sorry, not sorry, Johnny. 
and don't bother coming home. Just leave us alone. Kidding, Johnny. 607-772-1290. Vinny in Binghamton. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Bob. Hey, listen, I got to tell you, this weekend I had uh, talking to some friends, and they were talking about the Super Bowl and tradition and the whole thing about interviewing the president and this and that and this and that. And I, and I told them, I said, you know, sometimes you guys get into this Mickey Mouse tradition. I said, do you want to know a real tradition? It says that what happens after every administration is done in the White House, and it happens on the west front of the U.S. Capitol. And I pulled up this thing, as you guys got a second, and I pulled it up, and it showed Obama at the end of his administration. It showed Mike Pence and his wife pulling up in a limousine. They're waiting on the steps. Uh, Joe Biden and Jill Biden come out. They meet them. They hugs. They sit there, welcome, this and that. They take pictures, and then Joe Biden and Jill take them both into the White House. And then that limousine moves on. And then the next limousine comes up, and there's Donald Trump. And the, and the new first lady. There's all. Oh, I mean, you should see it. Trump is smiles. He's acting, you know, like somebody should, like a new president. And they get him. And, and the first Donald Trump's wife gives uh, Michelle the package. She doesn't know what to do with it. Barack grabs it, takes it in, comes back out. Hey, they welcome. And then at the very end of his administration, what happens? They both come down. Um, the, the, the vice president, Jill, she's meted. They go on down, they walk with those two, they get in a limousine, they take off. Next thing you know, Barack Obama and the first the, old, the first lady, they come on down. Trump, they escort them. Come down the stairs, go right across the, the, the area, there's the helicopter waiting. They both, Donald Trump and, his, and, and the first lady, they move, they go back, they stand on the steps. They're all sitting there saluting. Obama gets in the uh, helicopter, gets to the top of the stairs. Waves goodbye to everybody. That helicopter raises up, goes forward, banks to the left, and that's the end of the administration. That's what Donald Trump should have done. That would have brought the country together. It would have helped, Bob, because that's a tradition. But no, Joe Biden, and they never got it. Joe and Joe Biden never got it. They gave it to him. He got it. But they never got it. And he should have left in a helicopter going to Air Force One. And, I, and they're sitting there watching. I said, see, guys, that's tradition. This Mickey Mouse other nonsense, that's what I'm telling you. That's a true tradition. That's just more damage that this man and this administration did. And it, it, it's sad. It's so sad. So sad. That's what every president got. Even Nixon, for crying out got loud, guys. He got that. If you remember, he gets to the top of stairs and sure. he goes out with his hands and the peace sign. Everybody gets well. it. Every Trump president, every president, even presidents, even presidents who have been impeached twice should be mm-hmm. uh, afforded a dignified departure from their foray into public housing, no matter how many months or years it lasts. It's just that's a tradition. Yeah. And it's sad. It is sad. It is so sad to see something like that. And that's just part of the problem. But we got to keep you got to keep fighting. That's all. That's that's my main thing too. You got to keep fighting to to keep what's right right and identify wrong. You have to because the next generation is watching. They saw that January sixth. Okay, we don't have to worry about nine eleven. We got another problem. 
the January. By the way, speaking of the former guy, what is this with him threatening to visit East Palestine, Ohio? Why on earth did the former guy say he's going to show up at the site of the toxic train wreck? Why? I have no What the heck is that about? Come on, man. Just It's just publicity and you know trying hey look at everybody look at me you know this is this is the guy that said our our relations with russia would be better because they had the miss universe pageant in oh, russia come on okay? man that's 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 who that that <sighs> individual is and he's told us many times and like i told you before you watch i'm telling you he's going to explode if he is not the nominee he's going to bring this he's going to bring it down He's going to, they are going to, Donald Trump is going to make it where you're going to have to choose. None of this gray area anymore. It's either me or them. I've told you this. I've told you this. I've told you this. He loves it. And that's, that's what he's told us. So it's going to be interesting. They're going to try their best about, oh, Joe Biden is age and stuff like that. But oh, no, Trump's right there too. See, I didn't think up until yesterday, I didn't think Biden was going to run for reelection, but clearly, Go into the trouble to go to uh, an active into uh, an active war area. All that trouble and and the rest. Now, on the one hand, I have to say, if this is strictly a political stunt, which mm-hmm. I suppose some of his opponents might suggest, I I question putting the president of the United States at such tremendous risk. I also question the expense of what that operation must have taken obviously it must have cost millions of dollars to um, pull that off on the other hand from a news standpoint it was historic Mm -hmm. so i love history and it gave me something to talk about both uh on monday's program and today so therefore i guess probably i should just ignore the cost and ignore that it might be viewed as just a photo op perhaps the best photo op by the way so far of the 21st century that was uh I have to say compelling and certainly it answered any, responded to any doubts people might have had whether Joe Biden actually is considering about seeking a second term. Clearly he is. Well, I had, I had mentioned before, Bob, about, uh, you know, when they changed that first thing from Iowa to, uh, South Carolina, like I said, that's where it all starts. That's yeah, yeah, you said it. You said it on the yeah. program. I remember. And I, I, I think that that's, that's one of the, that's one of the parts. And, um, you know, as far as how much it costs for him to go over there and all that other stuff, guys, look, we're beyond, we're beyond that, man. I know. I'm just talking. Street, I'm just thinking about how John Hannity and um, Mark Bongino oh might talk. God. I'm, you know, I'm just yeah. channeling my my inner Hannity. That's all. I, yeah, no. Obviously, it was well worth whatever it cost. Whatever it cost, I thought it was well worth it from a historic standpoint, and also to show America support for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine after nearly a year of unspeakable unspeakable damage and loss of life and we do support them now more than ever it's 1129 I'm Bob Joseph live on news radio WNBF 921 FM 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com 05 
WNBF and WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph, and you probably have heard the news reports about the after-school Satan Club that plans to hold meetings at Homer Brink's school in Endwell. It's an elementary school that I'm very familiar with. That's where I started my public school education on Briar Lane. But when I was there in kindergarten, Mrs. Blackwell would never tell me anything about a Satan club. In fact, that's because at that time, decades ago, there evidently was no after-school Satan club available in Edwell or anywhere else, to the best of my knowledge. Joining us now to talk about after-school Satan Club is campaign director June Everett, who joins us from Colorado. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. So everybody wants to know, what is after-school Satan Club? Sure. So after-school Satan Club is a club that gives an alternative option um, to children in public schools across the United States that have parents that don't necessarily want to send them to, um, you know, a Bible or evangelical religious club. Um, I wanted to note that we have seven clubs in the United States, and the evangelical clubs, um, usually ran by the Good News Club, uh, LifeWise Academy, have over 5,000 programs um, across the United States. So After School Satan Club is an alternative to that. Um, there was a 2001 Supreme Court hearing uh, where the Good News Club uh, took the Milford County School District in New York all the way up to the Supreme Court. And this, uh, he- this decision um, was in favor of the Good News Club that basically said if a school opens up their limited public forum after hours, they cannot discriminate based on religious uh, viewpoints. So hence that opened the door for the, you know, the Christian evangelical clubs to come into our public schools. And it also opened the door for uh, minority religions, uh, like, the, you know, after school Satan club, for example. So, um, yeah, I know people aren't always happy with the name. They aren't always happy that we're coming in. Um, but we believe this is a part of our first amendment rights and what makes the United States, um, you know, free. It's what makes us the country that we are. And, uh, you know, as I like to say, the First Amendment isn't going to defend itself. So we're here to offer an alternative to these, um, you know, evangelical clubs and the kids that are attending love it. The parents that are attending love it. So we're here to stay. Who came up with the idea? So this idea came in the 2016-2017 timeframe um, where, you know, we have, uh, we have over a million um, Satanic Temple members. We have supporters, allies, and ordained ministers that were uh, wanting to see something offered for um, their children in their schools. So in 2016, uh, we launched our first after-school Satan club outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, Of course, everything with COVID sort of put things on hold for a while. Um, I was brought in as the campaign director. And once I started receiving emails, uh, let's see, fall of 2021, with parents requesting our club come back into the schools, um, you know, we were ready to roll. And how did it come to pass that Endwell is now on the map and Homer Brink Elementary School is uh, planning to hold uh, a series of 10 meetings of after-school Satan Club? How did this happen? 
Sure, Bob. So we only go to schools where we have had a parent request our club. Um, otherwise, we'd be in over 5,000 schools, which we're not. Um, so once we get a request from a parent that says, hey, there's a good news club at my school, my child is not uh, allowed to attend or I do not want to send them, um, can you please bring after school Satan club to our community so that my, co- my child has uh, somewhere to go? I wanted to know also, Bob, that the problem with the good news club, and this is why I was actually led to the Satanic Temple, there was a good news club in the school that my children attended, is that the reach is far beyond just what they teach the children in this after-school club. They actually teach the children to proselytize to their peers, and it really turns into a bullying technique where they are told to go after their peers and, you know, tell them if they don't believe in Jesus, if they don't go to church, that they're going to burn in hell for eternity and be separated from everybody that they know and love. And this is exactly what happened to my first grader at the time. Um, So that's actually how I was led to the path of the Satanic Temple and how I was led down the path to become the campaign director for After School Satan Club. Um, So it is more than just, you know, a religious Christian Bible-based after school club. This club is very clear and very aggressive about what they do when they go into these public schools. They are ran by the Child Evangelism Fellowship, keyword being evangelism. So After School Satan Club is there for those parents who do not agree with sending their children to that particular club and want to have a club that, you know, they feel inclusive or they feel welcome and they're not going to be, um, you know, threatened with uh, eternal damnation. The Flyers announcing after school Satan Club at Homer Brinks School went home with the students last Thursday. Do you know how many parents have uh, so far uh, requested uh, that their child be allowed to attend the first meeting in March? Sure. So it's always hard to tell because sometimes we don't get a permission slip, um, you know, with a child ready to go until the day of the club meeting. You know, they have a permission slip in their backpack and they're ready to go when we're, you know, our volunteers are in the school uh, that particular club day. We have received a couple of permission slips electronically. Uh, we just got our electronic permission slips up and running a few months ago. So we have received a couple through that means, but it's really hard to gauge how many kids we will have the day of club meeting because sometimes we don't know until, you know, we're about to start. Have there been instances where people have sought to organize an afternoon uh, after school Satan club at a school and that it, uh, just never got anywhere because there was insufficient interest? Um, you know, that's not really necessarily the case because at the end of the day, we're renting the facilities. Um, you know, the school makes it very clear that they uh, do not support us. They're not endorsing us. There's really no ties except for us simply renting their facilities. So whether or not we want to have, you know, two volunteers to sit there and kind of twiddle their thumbs for an hour, or if we have 20 kids show up, it really doesn't concern the school at that point because we are simply renting the space. So as long as we are following, you know, their district policy, we are following state and federal law, we can use the space however we'd like. And there really is no minimum as to, you know, what guarantees a a successful program or not. Um, Obviously, we're not going to run the club if there's no children uh, showing up. But uh, the club that we just launched in Chesapeake, Virginia, had 17 families signed up. Um, we have 10 kids attending our club in Tehachapi, California. 
We have eight kids attending our club in Donovan Elementary in Ohio. So I don't think it's going to be a problem, but regardless, if we have zero or 30 kids, we're renting the space and we get to keep it. Have there been more requests to set up after-school Satan clubs in New York State? Um, so we do have one, and forgive me because I cannot remember the name. I have received a lot of emails from people, parents, community members in the area that, you know, have come forward and said, hey, there's a good news club at my child's school. Can we look into setting up after-school Satan club? And currently, we have uh, three clubs scheduled to launch in March and two more lined up. So, I, I, you know, I started looking at the timeline, and a lot of schools are getting ready to, um, you know, go on summer break here in May. Um, so I decided that we would put a hold on any new after-school Satan clubs this particular school year, but we are looking at um, possibly adding one or two more in the uh, in New York State at the beginning of this next school year in fall of 2023. So if people listening in the Binghamton area, Broome, Tioga, or the surrounding counties feel uh, inclined to um, possibly organize an after-school Satan club at their child's school, they can contact you? Yep, absolutely. And, um, you know, we do have our requirements uh, for volunteers. We uh, perform an extensive criminal background check. Uh, they have to go through extensive after-school state and club training, which includes safety training. Um, so there is a, a, a quite a large set of requirements um, in order to get after-school state and club going, um, but they can absolutely reach out to me. I've already been talking to a couple of parents in the area who are, who are super excited about, you know, they didn't know we were a thing until just recently. So um, the uh, community uh, response has actually been very positive. How much does it cost to organize? Is there uh, a, a cost, a, a fee that the organizers have to pay to you or the organization? So we run the club, um, obviously, to our participants at no charge. Our costs usually come from, you know, facility rental fees. Of course, we have the proper insurance in place and, you know, any of the uh, materials that we need for the activities that we do. Um, you know, different activities uh, having to do with community service projects, arts and crafts, different type of science uh, projects. That's really where our costs come from. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, there, there's there's not much more to consider. The Maine Endwell School Superintendent, Jason Van Fossen, in the note that he released for parents and school district residents, said despite the organizational principles of the club, in his words, anyone that uses the word satanic in their name is obviously going to provoke people in a very negative way. What's your response to that? So, Bob, one thing that, that I encourage people to do is look a little deeper into the satanic temple. We are non-theistic Satanists, meaning that we don't believe in a supernatural Satan. And we do not, uh, you know, believe in the same ideology that most Christians do. So to us, Satan is a symbol. And we look to that symbol as, uh, you know, Satan standing up to tyrannical authority. So it, it, as much as it upsets the Christian ideology of what Satan is, we don't believe that. We look at Satan as something completely different, and we do not look at Satan as evil or, you know, trying to, to bring, um, you know, any sort of uh, terrible uh, wrath onto the communities that we go into. Um, Satan was the first to stand up to tyrannical authority, and that's how we look at Satan, um, just simply as a symbol, no more than the Easter Bunny or, or you know, Santa Claus. So I know that a lot of Christians are upset to hear us say that, 
But that is what um, I love being about a Satanist is that in this country, we can believe as we wish. Um, we do not do, you know, any sort of harm or evil. We do not sacrifice goats. We do not, you know, perform any sort of rituals that include babies, uh, the stereotypical things that people might hear with devil worshipers because we're not. Um, but we are making a point that, you know, a separation of church and state is a thing. And once you open those doors, you can, the government cannot pick and choose which religious, um, you know, entities and organizations have access to that space and which ones do not. My personal opinion, that's scarier than Satan uh, is a government that gets to pick and choose, uh, you know, who who is a religion and who's not, what beliefs are valid and which beliefs are not. So, um, you know, that's why I'm here, uh, you know, making sure that other beliefs are represented. And at the end of the day, we want everybody to be able to worship who they'd like, believe who they'd like. And as long as religion is doing, you know, more good than harm, we're all for it. Are children who are members of uh, more traditional churches, Christian denominations, are they welcome to attend after-school Satan Club meetings? Absolutely. And we do have them attend. Um, We have had uh, different faiths and different beliefs, but just in uh, our club in California, we had a Christian family attend and they came and had a great time. Um, the only requirement, of course, is that they have a permission slip for their child. Um, they are, of course, uh, welcome to stay with their child. We welcome parents and guardians with children with signed permission slips to come and hang out. Um, they end up having a great time and they, you know, thank us for, for being there. So, um, you know, we have nothing to hide, obviously. Uh, we encourage different faiths and people of all different uh, backgrounds to come and, you know, check us out. So the first meeting is set at Homer Brink and Endwell in about three weeks. Is that meeting then open to the public and to the media? So it's not open to the public or the media because we determined that a bunch of adults standing around watching children do crafts is is a little bit uncomfortable. And the parents that sign their children up probably wouldn't appreciate that. Um, We're trying not to make a spectacle out of things. We're not trying to make it at a media event. Um, so we don't want people that don't belong there hanging out there. Um, we don't want adults without children hanging out there unless they have a, a you know, a thorough, complete background check and have undergone after school state and club training. Um, we've had people demand, you know, let us in. We want to see what you're doing. And then, okay, that's fine. Just bring a kid, hopefully, preferably your own child with a signed permission slip and you're welcome to stay. Otherwise, we're not trying to, you know, have eight kids doing crafts and 30 adults standing around watching them. I feel like that is. Um, very uncomfortable for everyone involved. Do you expect protesters at the first meeting in Edwell? We might have a few. And, you know, the First Amendment is very true to our hearts. Uh, so we absolutely um, understand protests. Uh, we absolutely understand peaceful protesting. Um, it is not uncommon to have a few protesters at the first meeting of After School Satan Club. Usually there's a small police presence there, making sure that nobody decides to cross that line um, to become, uh, you know, not peaceful. Um, it is usually during school dismissal when children are being picked up. And the last thing that we want to see or local law enforcement wants to see is a bunch of adults that are upset about After School Satan Club, you know, uh, crossing that line. Um, so we always do expect a few protesters. The ones that I've seen in the past, you know, are usually very friendly. Um, we say hello. We walk by. We can all respect that uh, we may not share the same ideology. We may not share the same uh, opinions. We may not share the same beliefs. But at the end of the day, that is what makes the United States such an amazing country. 
And uh, we like to see that sort of patriotism. Um, but, you know, once it, there's a line that's crossed for people sort of, you know, take it a step further, that's where uh, local law enforcement is usually present to um, make sure that that's handled. Listener wants to know, wouldn't you get more interest if you had a different name, if you use different branding, something other than After School Satan Club? Sure. So a couple things there, and we do get that question a lot. We wouldn't be having this conversation, Bob, if we were named anything else. Second, we are sponsored by the Satanic Temple, and we it is a club ran by non-theistic Satanists. So if we were to name it anything else, say the After School Science Club or the Fluffy Buddies and Rainbows Club, if people were to find out it is a club sponsored by the Satanic Temple and ran by Satanists, we feel that that would actually do more harm than good in that situation. We are proud of who we are. We aren't trying to hide who we are. Um, so that is why it is deliberately called After School Satan Club, whether you know people like the name or not. June Everett, campaign director for After School Satan Club, joining us today from Colorado. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bob. It's 1151. This is Bob Joseph. Always with a few questions on News Radio WNB. WNBF, Bob Joseph, live at 11.55, Sandy in Port Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, after listening to the lady that was just uh, talking about the Satanic Club, uh, I was I wanted to ask you, have, has anyone from the Good News Club been on your program? No. When they contact me, they're welcome to uh, get in touch. I would love to have the Good News Club organizer on the program. I would, too. And uh, if they're listening, if anyone's listening from that club, please go on Bob's show uh, and tell the people in this area what your club is about. Because this woman uh, accused you of bullying and of subversion of children in your club. And uh, I have a question, too, about the Satanic Club. Uh, she mentioned minorities catering to minority children. So uh, just what does that mean? What does that mean, Bob? She did mention minorities. And she also said that she they are requiring extensive background checks on adults or anyone that has any interest in their club. Uh, what does that mean? You know, she really never answered some of the questions you asked her. She kind of skirted around them. And uh, I have never heard of this club before, nor have I heard of the Good News Club either. And I want to know about the Good News Club. Uh, but the fact that uh, the schools are have to let these clubs in for after-school hours, uh, maybe the school districts better start looking at their policy and say, no, this is it. Uh, these two clubs have been in our school we let them in once. 
They've done their thing. They went through their process, and that's it. No more after-school clubs of this of any nature. Well, we'll see what happens. I do appreciate your call, and of course, this program is welcome to organizers of all clubs that meet at local schools. So, if you're an organizer of an after-school club in Broome County. Get in touch with me if you'd like to be on the program. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF. Thousand. WNBF, Binghamton.